0: Here we are, Locked On NFL, Brian Peacock here, your co-host alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. We're taking you around the league daily Locked On podcast network, and we've got a ton of Sunday games to get to. This is in between the afternoon games and before Sunday night football kickoff. So we will talk about those primetime games, Sunday night football and Monday night football on Tuesday's show. Today we'll get into all of the afternoon Sunday games, and there is plenty of action to get into, uh, do you want to remind everybody to subscribe to this podcast? You can find us on your favorite podcast apps. We're everywhere, as are all the shows here on the network. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. Tons of great games today, Matt. I think maybe we should lead with Kansas City, Detroit.
1: Yeah, that works for me. I mean, there absolutely were a lot of really fun games. You know, that Bucks rams game just ended. Yeah. Uh, the, the Jags-Broncos just ended. Just to give some people an idea where we are, time frame-wise. Really looking forward to Dallas Saints tonight. My team plays tomorrow. Your team's off. So let's talk Lions-Chiefs. And I think, I mean, I know that, in, that no one ever says these things, and you can't say them in public, but there are moral victories, too. Like... Yes. This is a win for both teams for me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. 34 30. Chiefs did hold on to win that one, a back and forth game. And uh, the first note I wrote here is that you came away with both teams feeling like winners after this. So I- I'm 100% on board with you. And I loved how the Detroit Lions played. We obviously were too low in the Lions coming in. I was for sure. They were my peacock apology from last week. And they had the lead multiple times late in this game. But in the end, they left Patrick Mahomes. Too much time. He had two-plus minutes to drive down the field, and uh, he converted a fourth down on that final drive. Daryl Williams' touchdown plunge, and that gave Kansas City the lead for good, and they were able to win that one. But a really great game played by Stafford, and two of the strongest arms in the NFL, too, so that's fun to watch those guys sling it all around. And Galladay with a couple of touchdown catches, the toe-tapper at the end. You thought Detroit might have had that one at 30-27, but just too much time for Mahomes and the Chiefs to run down the field and win that one.
1: Yeah, a couple of little nuggets from this is not that he looked bad, and they obviously end up putting up 34 points, but I would say this is about as bad as Mahomes can look. You know what I mean? Yes. Which is, you know, ugliest girl at the uh, at the beauty pageant type of thing with him. I mean, but there was times he was disjointed and didn't play great. Um, a huge play in this one was the Lions were going in, a fumble on the one-yard line. Everyone thinks it's dead. To the rest, credit they made the right call, and the Chiefs picked it up and went ninety nine yards the other way. So really, it was like a fourteen point swing, and probably is the difference in the game when it's all said and done. You mentioned Stafford; I really like how he's playing. I think it's the best we've seen him play in quite a while, and he wasn't bad last year. Spreading the wall around, a lot of tar- a lot of different guys are targeted, but I think it's pretty apparent that on Johnson is you know the man there now, and it's a good move finally it's about time
0: absolutely and carry on johnson we talked about it here on the show he should be the man and it should run a lot through him and we saw a little bit of that with the running back in cleveland i think we'll talk a lot about that game as well mm-hmm. but on this one i think you really nailed it with patrick mahomes he was just over 50 percent throwing 24 and 42 but they were still able to lean on him at the end of the game and still able to come out with the win and those are the growing pains you want to see from a young quarterback to go on the road and be down and maybe not have your best game. It was the first time we saw him play uh, in a dome, which was surprising to me and come out and lead his team to victory. And the chiefs improved to four and Oh, but the the lions are for real, man. I really like what the lions are doing right now. And 34 points is a lot to give up, but I came away still impressed with the lions defense under Matt Patricia.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't sound like it would be, but I mentioned 99 yards. It was a return. And I, I think the defense is coming around very nicely well-coached, you know, makes you remember, why did they hire Patricia? Oh, yeah, <laughs> he did some good things in New England.
0: <laughs> That's absolutely right. And uh, that NFC North, there's another NFC North battle that we're going to get to in the afternoon, the later games that was a really important one there, too. But the Lions, uh, still 2-1-1, one, and one, so that tie against the Cardinals week one might come back to haunt them in the end. But I really liked what I saw from both the Lions and Chiefs for, for very different reasons. And uh, Matt Stafford, and he... Because we talked about how Mahomes didn't have the greatest game, but he came back, and he played strong, and we liked what we saw there. And Stafford, it was a similar situation. There was a play where he scrambled early in the game out of the pocket, fumbled the ball away. At that point, it was tied 13-13. This was, I think, early in the third quarter. Recovered by Kansas City, and you're like, oh, great, here you go. You fumble away the game, and that's it. But the the Lions stuck in there, and Stafford continued to make throws. And Galladay is just a, a beast of a wide receiver, too. So that was a fun game.
1: It was. And showing some mental toughness starting to reflect from their coach, too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mentioned the Browns there for a second. Let's get down to that Browns game, Cleveland at Baltimore. And maybe a little bit of a statement game for Cleveland. 40-25 Browns in Baltimore. Huge statement game. And I know you do your
1: apologies every week. I think I owe my former employer an apology. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the Browns were going to get blown out. I Apologizing for Charlie at.
0: Fry. What's that? Apologizing for Charlie Fry? Is that what you're apologizing <laughs> for? Or no,
1: I did have something to do with that, but uh, <laughs> um, I I didn't see this coming. I thought the you know going into Baltimore would be exactly what the the Brownies didn't need. And if you told me you know Odell only caught two passes for two y- 20 yards or something like that, I'd have been like, man, they lost by a hundred. But a lot of attention on Odell. Landry had all kinds of you know did really really well early on. And then it was Chubb to close things out and kind of like we talked about carry on, everything went through him. Baker looked more comfortable. Um, I don't think the Ravens played poorly, but it made you remember a little bit of who they are that they still have to win with defense and special teams, even though Lamar's coming along really well, you can't turn the ball over as much as they did and still play your recipe. And, My biggest concern with the Ravens isn't, I mean, I think this is kind of an isolated incident in terms of they're not going to you know, turn the ball over and be really reckless with the football, but they don't rush the passer like they used to. I mean, they have to blitz to generate pressure, and if it doesn't get home, I don't know that the defense can keep them in games as well as it has the last, you know, the whole Harbaugh era.
0: I think what I liked the most, and obviously Nick Chubb went off in that game, he torched him for an 88-yard touchdown run, which is the longest run from scrimmage so far this year in the NFL, but 165 total yards, three touchdowns. And like I mentioned with on Johnson and Detroit, I didn't really like the usage from Chubb early in the season with Cleveland. I think they're realizing now, okay, let's put two tight ends on the field. Let's run downhill with Nick Chubb. That's his strength, and I think we really saw that and maybe – a little bit of a weakness on the Baltimore defense side is some of that tackling, which is usually something they're very good at. And they were not good at that in this game. And you mentioned the pass rush as well. So both teams end up two and two and that division gets very, very interesting.
1: Yeah. And going back to our last game, I kind of wish the lions were in the AFC North, you know, like (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure who wants this division quite yet. Um, Last note. And you mentioned the use of heavier personnel from Cleveland's offense. I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm going to check into the numbers from this game compared to the first three. But that's something they did very well when you know Baker took over last yes. year. You get more predictable coverages. You're facing less nickel and dime defenses. It's easier to decipher who the dangerous players are, and you know Ricky Seals Jones isn't the greatest guy in the world, but they got a lot of use out of him even with Najoku banged up. So I think that's something to keep an eye on.
0: And Mayfield said it had nothing to do with his verbal sparring with, um, with Rex Ryan earlier in the week, but threw for 342 yards and you know a touchdown and a pick, so it wasn't really all on his back. He didn't go out there and play Superman and win that game, but it was a nice game for Baker Mayfield. And even on the other side, Lamar Jackson still put up a ton of fantasy points. At least when I was looking at my fantasy team, I was thinking, oh man, Lamar didn't have the greatest game, but it was like still with that dual threat, his his ability to run, his abil- uh, ability to pass. And there was a play where he got up slow after the game. He said, no, I'm all good. And he even jogged a little bit in the post-game press conferences. No, I'm feeling good. I'm fine. So that's, that's a good news for there for uh, for the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Yeah, and I have, no, I have no reservations about Lamar after these last two games. Still playing really well. Ultra dangerous. And speaking of dangerous, I didn't mean to do that. But huge rebound game for Baker and his development and his reputation. And, you know, th- they needed that. And it doesn't shock me. I mean, I'm still a believer in him as well.
0: All right, a whole bunch more to games to get to here on the Sunday slate, and I guess we'll just finish off the early games, and we'll get to the later afternoon games. But there's a couple of really good ones to get into. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. Go to blinkistcom on, Try it free for seven days and save twenty five percent off your new subscription.
1: Tough day at school. Still stuck at the office. Treat yourself to a meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. And folks, I don't know, I've told you this before, but I host a Steelers radio show from four to six every day. My wife works. It's awful hard for us to get dinners, you know, in our kids' stomachs. So I use DoorDash all the time now. I mean, it's just so convenient. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. It's very easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you, wherever you are. Sounds pretty simple, right? Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are 3,400,000 3, restaurants in 3,300 cities. So let me repeat that. Three, 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you might just find a new favorite restaurant, too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states, including Canada, Order from your local go tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick fil A, Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. So, right now, our listeners get five bucks off their first order of $15 or more when you do- download the DoorDash app and enter our promo code LOCKED ON, all one word. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, all one word, for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, BlueChew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast.
0: New England at Buffalo. This is an interesting one. The first real challenge, I think, for the Patriots on the season. They did hold on 16 to 10, and there's, uh, there's a lot of things that I, I actually have a lot of notes, maybe the most notes of any of the early games on this one, because first of all, Josh Allen, ugly early, two interceptions in the first half. I think he threw another one in the second half, a yeah, yeah. uh, really bad sequence to end the first half. He took a sack on third down, made the field goal longer. Bills miss a field goal that would have helped them uh, to tie that game going into the second half, but they they stuck around. and. That Bills defense is for real, and they held Tom Brady to a forty five point nine passer rating, which was his lowest since two thousand six.
1: Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned the turnovers from Allen, who end up getting possibly concussed in this game, and that might have been the difference. To be honest, I mean, maybe if they would have been able to finish with their starter, would have had a different result because it was a very evenly matched game with the with the kind of the exceptions of the very end and the very beginning. And when the Patriots got up thirteen nothing, I thought oh, this is over, you know, we blow out city, mm-hmm. uh, squash the little brother that's trying to get, you know, you gain some respect in the division. And while I think we might look back at these teams when it's all said and done and say, those are two of the best three or four defenses in the league. The Patriots offense is still working things out
0: too. Yeah, they're still figuring out, I think, how, what, what kind of identity they want to have maybe is, is the best yeah. way to put it there. And, oh, yeah, and by the way, in this game, I've got to mention my guy Frank Gore. Congrats on his 15,000 career yards. He had that 41-yarder creeping up on Barry Sanders for number 3 all-time in rushing yards in NFL history. And his picture should be in the dictionary next to the term contact balance. And he's still just chugging along, and I hope he keeps going, man. Play forever.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And just so I don't forget, I have to congratulate my guy, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, only Jerry Rice has more catches than Larry, so... Someone that's close to me, and you know, I've been lucky enough to be around quite a bit too. So, two all-time greats have some milestones today. Pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, a couple of Hall of Famers uh, doing big things still in their career, and uh, those are those are amazing numbers. When you start talking about being second to Jerry Rice and fourth behind Barry Sanders <laughs> and Walter Payton and Emmitt Smith, uh, those are those are very big things, and those guys deserve much congratulations there for sure. Washington at New York Giants. We got to see two rookie quarterbacks out there. Dwayne Haskins making his debut after an early, I think, six for 11 performance from Case Keenum and the interception. It was sort of odd to have a short leash on Keenum. I didn't hear anything about an injury for the reason he was replaced there. And then I saw Dwayne Haskins later after he made his debut and just processing maybe a little bit slow, standing in the pocket a little bit much, trying to do too much instead of taking you know that free check down that would be open so definitely growing pains from Dwayne Haskins as the Giants win easily 24-3
1: yeah I don't have a ton more to throw out than that Um, Jones continued to look good Haskins looked a lot like he did in the preseason obvious tools lots of clay there to mold but like you said I mean a work in progress had a little bit of Michigan and on Ohio State crime there when he threw the pick six to Jabril Peppers. <laughs> and and the Giants are okay. You know, I mean, I, I would have said, boy, the Giants are one of the worst teams in the league. They're starting to look respectable, and maybe Saquon comes back a little earlier. You know, I mean, like, there, there's hope there.
0: Undefeated under starting quarterback Daniel Jones. Do you think yeah. that uh, that continues? No, okay. but,
1: I mean, <laughs> I, I think there's room for optimism.
0: Daniel Jones, by the way, is so good with his legs. It's underrated part yeah. of his game, and he's definitely a pocket passer. He's not a run-first guy, but when he gets that space and he can make something happen on the run, which is a nice little uh, trump card to have sometimes when uh, when things aren't there for you as a passer.
1: And it's been desperately missing in that offense, needless to say.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Carolina at Houston. This was, uh, I think, a Texans trick play gone wrong away from having a different outcome. 16-10 to 10 Panthers was the final here. Watson throws what looked like a wide receiver screen to DeAndre Hopkins, but Hopkins stops there after he catches the ball and then throws back across the field, which is always a no-no, uh, looking for Carlos Hyde, who was running out of the backfield, and Panthers were ready for it, should never have thrown that ball. I didn't really even like, I just thought it was an ill-conceived play from the start, and that was deep in Panthers territory, so maybe a huge 14-point swing there, or even, you know, if the if the... Uh, the Texans were able to kick a field goal. They're already in in field goal range there. Did not like the play, did not like the way he was drawn up, hated the way he was executed, and I would much rather take my chances with Deshaun Watson throwing to DeAndre Hopkins there.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. I mean, some of that's a little bit of Monday morning quarterbacking, but none of it could be denied. It was a huge, huge play. Um, I still have to do more work on this game, but it, it sure seemed like Allen came back to earth a little bit. McCaffrey never will. I mean, he's the foundation of this yeah. team and you know, just a tremendous player. Um, I kind of this isn't it seemed like a back and forth game that could have gone either way. You know, we're talking about one big play. Um, I thought it would be like that, but I thought it would be 30 to 28. You know, it was a lot lower scoring than I expected.
0: Right. Maybe that's why Houston felt the need to try to yeah, manufacture something there. And of course, if it works, we're talking about how amazing and gutsy of a play call it was and uh, but yeah th- that's it was not the way you want to go out if you are the Texans at home there but you mentioned it with Christian McCaffrey too there there was questions about him could he be the bell cow back is he that type of player and I think he's answered Ooh. all of those questions emphatically
1: yeah he's a superstar I mean I think we're kind of in a golden age of great running backs I mean there's five or six in these last couple of years that are I mean, not far from all-time great-type standards, you know, when you, you factor in the running and receiving. I mean, how much different is McCaffrey and Kamara than Falk and Tomlinson? You know what I mean? Like, great all-around players.
0: I wonder how long these the, the new running backs will be able to play, and will we see some yeah. of these guys, you know, threaten what we're seeing from Frank Gore right now and and end up in the top five because they don't get enough carries per game these days and so the longevity would really have to be there I think yards from scrimmage looking at dual threat guys like McCaffrey and Kamara and stuff like that as both a a runner and receiver Saquon Barkley who knows how long he plays maybe those are the numbers we're gonna have to start looking at rather than the pure rushing yards because gone are the days where you're going to carry it 300 plus times in a season yeah
1: well said you know you mentioned Gore how I, I maybe no one will approach where Gore's at right now. Let you know, let yeah. alone the couple guys ahead of him.
0: Yeah, great point. Let's move on to Oakland, who upset the Colts wow. in Indianapolis, thirty-one yeah.
1: twenty-four. Um, I need to do more homework here, but
0: the the Raiders got
1: up early. I certainly did not see this coming, to say the least. From what I saw, Brissett played quite well, but you don't have T.Y. Hilton, Hooker, or Leonard. You know, like, this isn't, that's hard to overcome. You know, like, right. I, I didn't feel like the supporting cast helped out set in, in, in this one at all from what I saw. Not taking anything away from the Raiders. I didn't see this win coming either. But they go into Indianapolis and get a big win. Gruden knows how to coach. I mean, say whatever you want about him. He knows how to coach.
0: Yeah, very efficient Derek Carr afternoon, 21 of 31, only 189 yards, but a pair of touchdowns, no turnovers, Only sacked one time. It was not even lost, so I think he was scrambling out of pocket on that one. A 105 rating for Derek Carr. And yeah, Gruden, for all of his antics and (laughs) think what you want, but he can coach a little bit. You're absolutely right about that. And uh, we didn't really see Josh Jacobs huge in the passing game as we thought. He did have two catches for 29 yards. I'd still like to see more from him in the passing game, especially with the wide receiver group you have there. In Oakland and Darren Waller continues to lead Oakland in receiving he had seven catches in this one for 53 yards but what I thought was interesting on the other side was Jacoby Prissett. they put in his hands they said hey okay we're down go win this thing he ended up throwing it 46 times and ended up with three touchdowns but the one pick but could not bring him back
1: right right again I don't have a whole lot more to add to this one but I will do more homework on it for sure
0: we'll talk more about that one later in the week if need be but uh the Miami Dolphins. I was definitely wrong about this one. I thought they could stay within the, fifth. I think it was 15 and a half was the line. Uh, and they did for most of the game till the very end. The Chargers threw up 10 points in the fourth quarter and ended up beating the Dolphins on the road. 30 to 10. Chargers improved to 2 and 2 now on the season. A whole bunch of 2 and 2 teams in the league now. And the Dolphins, one of the five remaining unbeatens, there's going to be one fewer after Monday night with the Bengals and Steelers. They are 0 and 4 and they are well on their way to an oh and 16 season
1: yeah they really are and i don't know much more to add to it but it was a point like you said where it was a competitive game and i thought maybe you know i mean chargers are cross country it's not their specialty miami would be very easy to quote take them lightly but in the end you know i mean it's kind of like that i always talk about like the the small school basketball, college basketball, sometimes they give Duke a game or, you know, Kentucky a game, and then the third quarter rolls around and they just don't have anything left in the tank. You know, like the the Dolphins might do that a few games this year where they make it competitive for a while and then just can't keep it up.
0: Yeah, we've seen it two weeks in a row. It was this week against the Chargers. It was last week against the Cowboys where they should have had a lead going into halftime. When you're a bad team, something bad is always going to happen. And Josh Rosen sacked four times, and so their offensive line is bad. They traded away their best offensive lineman. And uh, from the Chargers' side, they did not have to hand the ball off to um, their newly returned Melvin Gordon. He did not get a a carry at running back. He was not involved there. So that was another thing to monitor, and he'll probably start getting involved next week, but they probably realized, yeah, we don't need him against the Dolphins. Let's not put put him out there quite yet.
1: That did surprise me a little, though. I thought maybe he would get three touches to end the game. You know, it just hasn't been hit in a while. And I mean, I guess you don't want him pulling a hamstring in the heat or something. I mean, it it probably doesn't matter either, but I I kind of thought we would see him.
0: Yeah, with Johnson being out too, I thought maybe he would have that role as like the number two guy, maybe. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: Eckler still keeps putting up numbers. Eckler's good, man. I've got no problems with Eckler
0: there. And he's, he's a good receiver as well. So he's a weapon out of the backfield. And I'm sure he will continue to be involved even when Melvin Gordon retakes that number one running back role. All right, let's break here and get into those late afternoon games. One of the early games we have not touched on yet was Titans at Falcons, and there is a pair of Bill Belichick protoges right now that, and ex-Bill Belichick assistants haven't done really great around the NFL, but a pair of them right now doing some things and defense playing well in both Detroit with Matt Patricia. And now in Tennessee, as the Titans beat the Falcons in Atlanta, 24 10.
1: I've been kind of raving about this coaching staff in Tennessee. And I also cut AJ Brown in my fantasy league on Tuesday. That was smart. (laughs) He tore it up. And then Corey Davis followed and tore it up. Mariota played really well. And I, 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 just heard this on my way down downstairs here to record this, but he has yet to turn the ball over through yes. the first month of the season. It surprises me. He's playing a little better than people realize, and I thought this was a really good game from him. And there's some of these teams, and we'll get to like Minnesota. That if you get up early, they're really hard to play against. If they get down early, they really have a struggle. And I think the Titans qualify as one of those as well. And flat out, Atlanta is disappointing.
0: For sure, yeah, Atlanta's very disappointing, and you nailed it with the way that the Tennessee Titans have to play, and they don't put everything on Marcus Mariota's shoulders. A very Alex Smith-like line here with 227 yards passing, but the three touchdown passes, and it's nice to see the two young, talented receivers there getting involved. You mentioned two touchdowns from A.J. Brown on only three catches for 94 yards, averaging 31.3 a clip there. Corey Davis, five catches for 91 yards and a touchdown for himself. So, you know, not a huge volume for those receivers, but the guys are talented, so they can make plays when they get the ball in their hands. And then Derrick Henry, it was just, you know, protect the lead mode. He had 100 yards, but it took him 27 carries, only 3.7 average there uh, as the running back. And yeah, the Falcons just disappointing all the way around. They weren't able to run the ball. is
1: is the coaching seat getting a little toasty in Atlanta? And I'm not sure I could really have a problem with it.
0: I think, I mean, at some point it has to, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems like,
1: You've given them a lot of talent, you got close, and uh, these kind of games don't reflect well on the coaching staff.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk Buccaneers-Rams. The craziest game late (laughs) afternoon. They ran up 44 points in the fourth quarter alone. I thought it was over early in the game when the Buccaneers jumped out to a a three-score lead very early in the game. Jared Goff did not look good. He threw two touch or two interceptions early. Chris Godwin, a pair of early touchdowns for the Bucks, and the Bucs jumped on early. I thought, okay, you can ride out this win, but man, the <laughs> the Rams came back and the Bucs have their own problems.
1: Yeah, and you would, if you just box scored this thing, you'd be like, boy, there was no defense in this game. You know, fantasy bonanza. Jared Goff was a stud. Not really. No. <laughs> um, Goff threw for 517 yards. I just pulled that up, but didn't play well and hurt his team more than he helped them. Turns the ball over. I, I've been saying for a while, I mean, really going back to late last year, this Rams offense isn't close to the Juggernaut, the McShay or McVay you know, Juggernaut offense that it's been. And, you know, how about Godwin and and Mike Evans? Evans started slow but with a big play I mean, the Bucs are fun to watch, and I think they're pretty well coached, too, on both sides of the ball.
0: The Buccaneers can stop the run on defense, which I think is a huge yeah. key. And Gurley did have a couple of touchdowns, but he only carried the ball five times and averaged 3.U per, or 3.2 yards per clip there, and mostly because they had to be in comeback mode. You mentioned the 517 yards. From Jared Goff, he threw the ball 68 times, and I thought at one point that he was going to get pulled because not only was he playing bad and turning the ball over, there was the three interceptions, there was a fumble that was returned for a touchdown, which pretty much sealed it at the end of the game, but he's getting hit so much, it's like, oh my gosh, and when they had a three-touchdown deficit, it was like, get Goff out of the game and let someone else take that pounding, but uh, he did bring him back a little bit, and part of that was Jameis Winston doing what he does weekly is throw a pick six and that was the throw was like no are the Buccaneers really really gonna blow (laughs) this game right now
1: right and Winston's fun to watch I mean I don't know that he he could be my quarterback or I would put my job on the line coaching that guy but boy he is reckless fun exciting and I think he's an underrated player too like people kind of brush him off like ah he's the 25th best quarterback no he's I mean he's uh, he's very talented and he's very unique. Um, one of the couple notes there too, just about the lines. You kind of touched on it. This Rams offensive line ain't what it used to be, that's for sure. And you, you talked about the Bucks stopping the run, and this goes, you know, makes me think of the Lions as well. You invest in Snacks, Harrison, Vita Vea, all the analytics people will kill you. You can't put money and draft picks into those huge defensive tackles, but on game day, it's nice to have them.
0: It is. It is. It's important. You still, at at a certain point, there's still some things that are going to always be true, is if yeah. a team can just run the ball down your throat and you still have to be able to stop the run. If the team can just run all over you, they don't have to do much else. So it's nice to have guys that can do both because you've got to stop the pass as well in this league, but you can't go completely small and forget about the run. Game with the biggest implications here of the afternoon games was Bears and Vikings, and that Chicago Bears defense is just... Dominating, and they smothered the Vikings. They made life very difficult for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense. Sixteen to six was the final. There, Chicago Bears improved to three and one in the NFC North, tied for the lead in that division. There with the Packers now, and Vikings are two and two.
1: Huge game, crazy division. I mean, I think that's our new favorite division. Um yes. I, I think we can be quick on this one though. In that, Trubisky gets hurt. And I'm sure when people are listening, they'll realize, I mean, it'll come out that it's probably a lengthy injury. I'm totally guessing. I'm not a doctor, but they ruled him out the play after he went out. That's usually not a good sign for the future. And Mike Lombardi kind of has a saying that, and it goes back to his day with the Raiders, that we're one injury away from being a pretty good team. You know, like sometimes guys just stay in this starting lineup, but the guy behind them would make us a better team. And I hate to pow on Trubisky, but, and it's not like Daniel's a great player. But as good as this defense is, just managed, give me Alex Smith, you know, on a deep team like this, and you're hard to beat. You're probably not a Super Bowl team, but you're hard to beat. And really good defense by the Vikes, too. Both these defenses were highly impressive. But the Vikings, to me, are maybe the most obvious team in the league. Like, if, if Dalvin Cook can run on you, they're going to win. If it's a struggle,
0: they're not. Very similar vibes there. How far can their quarterbacks take them? Seahawks and Cardinals. We don't have to spend much time on this one. The Cardinals fall to 0-3-1 on the season. Lose to the Seahawks, 27-10. Kyler Murray did scamper in for a touchdown, using his legs in that one, but you don't really see a light at the end of the tunnel for this Cardinals team, which is unfortunate. It looks like a lost year, and... They've really got to figure out something on defense and on the offensive line to help out Kyler Murray and their new head coach, Cliff Kingsbury.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a long year. It's going to be a very much a learning year for Kyler, the head coach, the offensive system, you know, what they have in place. And they'll have another high pick and another offseason to build things. Uh, again, we won't have to spend a lot of time on this, but this is Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson going on a business trip, getting the job, making the sale, coming home to their wife and a nice steak putting your feet up having a beer and going to bed and day well done on the on the road selling you know doing whatever it is you do for a living
0: (laughs) business trip last game jaguars at broncos and the jags came from behind in the second half to win that one late 26 24 broncos falling now to oh and four on the season jags are two and two some Minshew magic
1: yeah and I think you could brush this game off if you're watching, you know, the Rams and some of these other games and say, ah, those are two bad teams, bottom feeders, defenses, not very good quarterbacks. I'm not going to bother, but this was good football. I mean, this was a really competitive game. I kind of got the feeling if they played 11 times, the Jags would win six of them and Denver would win five of them and they have some similarities and it wasn't just, uh, two bad teams playing each other, I guess is where I'm going with this. And, I I think what you take most out of the game is, uh, Minshew, he's not just a joke. I mean, he's not just, he he is smart. He's tough. He's accurate. Those kind of guys last in this league in some capacity or another. And I'd be shocked if he's not the starter the rest of the year. And I've been bashing Leonard Fournette left and right. He played awesome
0: today. Yeah. He averaged 7.8 yards per carry and up with 225 yards in that one on 29 carries. He was the featured player there. I love the pocket presence from Gardner Minshew as a rookie. I think that's the, yeah. the one facet of his game. that I think will carry him to an NFL career. Maybe not as a long-term starter. Who knows? Maybe he is that guy, but Leonard Fournette being able to run the ball. And that's what worries me about the Broncos. The strength of that team is supposed to be on the defensive side of the ball. It was nice to see Von Miller, Bradley Chubb get involved to get sacks there, but you can't let the opposing team run up 225 yards on you like that.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's the narrative in Denver media right now and the Denver fan base is you know, they come here to our place, a tough place to play, and this guy just runs all over us. And, you know, that, that's what's—that's the, the formula for beating the Jags and stopping Fournette first and foremost, and we can't even do that. It's going to be a long year. Uh, they might not be wrong. <laughs> in a yep. zero and seven in their last set, seven, I think. Or Are the Broncos 8, something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they haven't going back to last year. They haven't won a game in a long time.
0: That's that's not good. And you hope it's not a one and done situation with Vic Fangio. They can figure something out there, but uh, not a lot of working right there. And at home against the Jaguars, jumping out to an early lead that seem, that would seem to play into your hands as the Broncos. And the fact that it didn't is a scary thing for them. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's their type of game. They got to win those. All right, that's our initial reaction here from the Sunday games, minus Sunday night football, which is just about to kick off. We'll cover that one along with Monday night football. It's Cowboys-Saints Sunday night, which should be a fun one, and then Bengals-Steelers Monday night football. We'll cover both of those and everything else going on around the league on Tuesday morning's show. For Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. Talk to you then, Locked on NFL.